Good evening, primetime partiers. It's primetime party time. Welcome back, all friends to the show. Welcome also to any newcomers to our one hour of all things media and entertainment live on the air at 9 p.m. at ptptshow.com and on your time wherever you stream podcasts. Tonight, we are revisiting, reliving, and analyzing another cult-followed show, Chuck, in our recurring segment, Ghosts of Primetime's Past. My name's Tracy, and this is... Daniel. Hello. Good evening. How you doing, Tracy? I know. It's a lovely, rainy evening down in SoCal. Perfect time to get all cozy and give our toasts and roasts of this past week before diving into our favorite and most memorable moments from Chuck. So, yeah. Thanks, for everyone, for being here tonight. How you doing, Daniel? I am doing well on this rainy evening. Actually, that is my toast tonight. If we're going to get right into it. Also, hello, listeners. listeners chat. <laughs> um, A tight one minute we had. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, uh, but, but yeah, you, I mean, you said it. My toast tonight on primetime party time uh, is rainy days. It's, it's nice to have them here in January. It's real fun, uh, especially during the daytime when you can see it. <laughs> yes. not just here and we got some hail action as well yeah that's right that like, did happen got to that... see some like almost you know the the we can't have snow here we don't get that but we do every once in a while get some hail and i know there are people who are like at a writing professor that was like never write about the weather no one cares i'm like listen i get it you're from new york you you see weather you don't care Weather is exciting to us <laughs> it, uh, yeah, no, yeah. in Southern California. We have to comment on it and we have to complain to anyone who actually has weather and be really dramatic about that. It's also, it's like, you know, you get your license and you, then you get your license to uh, complain <laughs> about, about when the weather goes below 70. But yeah, no, I, I love the rainy season. I feel like, I don't know how I'd feel if, it was as often as say like the Pacific Northwest. I was like, would I be as enamored oh, yeah, by the rain? Like I, don't I don't know. But here I'm like, yes, cozy, make some like stews, some braises, oh, yeah. you know, get, get comfy. I mean, I, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad, but yeah. How about your roast? What is bad? <laughs> All right. You know, another Californian thing to talk about, uh, my roast, this week is no surprise to anyone who lives in the LA area. You have dealt with this. The 10 freeway is the worst up here. You ever driven on the 10? <sighs> See, the 101 merging to the 10, I mean, that's that's one thing. Everybody knows about that. You know, there are memes yes. about that. That is the, it's, you know, you fight to get four lanes over. It is, it's hell to drive on. I had the privilege of finding out about the 43rd Street exit. Uh, which is like a, a roundabout stop sign to like a two lane just freeway. It's I don't know the ten. I didn't I didn't realize the ten was the the, the awfulness of the ten stretched past the very famous merge, uh, but it does very famous merge. When yeah. I gotta take the ten to one oh one. Exactly. What are or you the doing 110, here? The one ten, not the ten. The one ten. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. The no. one ten, not the ten. The ten's great. The ten will get you all the yeah. way to Florida if you want it to. Uh, 
We actually, but yeah, I know it's hard. We talk about the 10, but it's the 110. I have a friend who's lived in three or four different states in his adult life and always a mile from the 10, all across the, like, the, the southern part, of, the southernmost part of the United States. But the 110, the one that goes through downtown, that, that is the worst. That's what we're roasting. It we're is not the roasting worst. them. We're, we're roasting the 110 tonight. The, the 110 sucks. It yes. really does. I always, I feel like anytime I'm going to, the west side and i have to do like that change over to the 101 that is always the what lane what is i supposed to be in and then it's the all right gonna have to make some some maneuvers if i have to make some choices and hope everyone's paying attention (laughs) tracy what are you roasting uh, toasting Oh, yeah. So one of my tests related to our segment tonight, the music from Chuck. It is such a nice trip back indie memory lane, like from the theme song to everything else in it. It's just like, oh, like even the finale episode has it ends with like the head and the heart rivers and roads. I'm like, we're getting like towards like a different era of indie but then in the beginning it's like band of horses and the shins and everything and i'm like oh (laughs) this was such a good time yeah (laughs) broken bell shows up near the end too that's something i distinctly remember from when it was airing yeah yeah so that's a one of toast another toast is i have a good friend from high school that hadn't talked in a really long time but she just like recently subscribed to my youtube channel for music so yeah what's your youtube you want to plug it Oh yeah, I'll, I guess I'll self-plug. I mean, plug how it. many promotions is this? But it's yeah, it's www.youtube.com slash Tracy Ratify. So yeah, those who know my last name will know that's a bit of a pun. And for everyone else, you'll find out when you Google. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then my roast is also going to segue into what we're drinking tonight but i was preparing our beverage for this evening and i was it took a lot of different little ingredients i was doing little splishes and splashes of this is and that's and then i was like "Mm, i just need a little bit more this and i opened my cabinet and a box of linguine came in and just went (laughs) knocked over my little like I don't know what you'd call it, like a, not a, not like a, like a decanter, but a similar like cocktail shakery type container of cocktail all to the ground. Mm. So I, you know, soaked it all up with a towel and I, I cleaned the floors, but I do feel like there are remnants of, of gin on my floor. And I'm like, well, this probably kills bacteria as well. So, you know, we're just going to roll with it till I, to like get to mopping but that's like a it's just one of those like you're very frustrated in the moment and then later you're just like man it just had to like fall exactly at the right angle and hit it just so mm. <laughs> and i just laugh to be like this is my life man <laughs> this is why sean calls me female george costanza because uh, <laughs> because of this shit but yeah that's that's my roast it's you know i'll recover from it 
definitely no use crying over spilled martini. It just means you have a very good reason to make a second one, which goes into what we're drinking tonight is martinis because Chuck is a spy show and the James Bond cocktail of choice is a martini, like it's like a martini shaken, not stirred with a thin slice of lemon, I want to say. So we did our own take on martinis. Yeah. And mine is a elderflower martini. So I took gin. I did the Suntory Roku gin because I wanted to try it. Never had it before. It's pretty good. Yeah, I was looking at that one too. Yeah, and it was like on sale at Bevmo. So I was a bargain babe and I was like, let's do it. And then I got some elderflower syrup because I like it in everything. It's kind of a... I have a crush on that flavor and then some elderflower liqueur and I juiced a few small lemons, added a lemon like a peel and a couple of thinly sliced cucumbers. So it's very much one of those like refreshing botanical beverages and that's what I'm about. How's your martini? Did you go simple or exotic? (laughs) Yours sounds wonderful. Mine so I kind of did a little prep and watched a watched a video. I think it was Steve, Ooh. the bartender, uh, make four <laughs> different types of martini. He's great. Make four different types of martinis. So he did the classic. He did the dirty. He did the fitty fitty, and he did a. Um, I couldn't tell you what the third one was, uh, but the uh, it was the one with like the mushed olives. Anyways, oh, I've heard of that. Like so I tried muddled. the classic. Yeah, the muddled olives. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I tried the classic with olives um, in practicing, but tonight I went with the the straight James Bond recipe. Um, mm. and I haven't taken a sip yet, but cheers! Cheers! Virtual clink. Oh, yes, virtual clink. I know. Get a sound effect going. It's quite, this is quite nice. I should actually write down this recipe because it's pretty good. I mean, it's a little like acidic from the amount of lemon juice I put in it. Like, but not in a bad way. Just like if that was, if you're not a huge citrus person, I'm like, maybe you would replace that with like a berry or something. But yeah, I appreciate all. It's pretty nice. I appreciate lemons. Yeah, I've never had like a classic dirty martini. My main history with martini though is I was in Japan and it was before I could legally drink in the States. So I was having a whole like just a ball trying different types of cocktails. (laughs) And if you can hear the coaster coming through in my audio, that train is coming around. Um, But I tried the James Bond cocktail on this one like random bar in like a train station and I remember just immediately ordering a pina colada to chase it because my palate was not ready (laughs) for a martini (laughs) I was just like nope nope this is really strong and then I was like kind of drunk and went to Uniqlo and I remember just like being like just buying all of these sale t-shirts for as souvenirs and it did not you know burn a hole in my credit card because it was the sales were good but it was I could tell as with one of my good friends and I think like by the time we got to the airport I had you know sobered up a bit and it's like man I was probably like pretty annoying 
the past few hours just like drunk shopping then we ended up at the airport mcdonald's i think i ordered a shrimp burger which is like a little bit of a daring choice pre-flight oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but you know what it was fine did not have an issue with that it also was like deep fried shrimp so you know it's it's pretty safe i've definitely been dealt dirtier hands by uh, other types of pre-flight meals that i won't get into because that's not so fun <laughs> but yeah that's that's like the first time out of martini and then like as i got older i tried like pomegranate martinis okay. i like a cucumber martini yeah I, but yeah i haven't had the savory kind mm -hmm. like the olive or other things so i need to try that to see if that's something that i'd be into because i see a lot of people make them like as they're cooking and i'm like it looks like i'd be a very like fancy lady if i made some like dirty martinis as i make pasta but you know just we gotta baby steps baby steps to baby get steps. there yeah so well, sweet. Yeah, that's that's how i feel well hope martinis <laughs> Hope you've got your refreshing beverage on you. We're going to take a couple seconds here to download The Intersect, and we'll be right back with our talk Woo! on Chuck. Chuck! Chuck! NBC's procedural drama. Well, one of many. This one happened to run from t the 24th of September, 2007, to the 27th of January, 2012. And that's like a nice time slot because the past few shows we've been reviewing, this one picks up like t in 2007 as Veronica Mars was coming to a close for its on-air it's true. You know, our, viewing. Our so it's, have been chronological. We're, we're moving in a nice sequence. I'm sure we'll play around with timings, but it's for our drama segments of Ghost of Time Prime Times Past. It's we're we're in a nice chronology here. So Chuck, I know it felt like we were downloading the intersect watching many episodes of Chuck right <laughs> before this. Yeah, so, it did. Many it did. flashing images in front of our faces, but yeah, the to get just the background of Chuck in case y'all have not seen it before. It is a procedural drama, but it is packed with a lot of comedy, a lot of quirky, like nerdy humor. Um, it's created by Chris Fedek and Josh Schwartz. And yes, aired from 24th of September 2007 to the 27th of January 2012, starring Zachary Levi. Yvonne Strahovski and Adam Baldwin. And there are five seasons. Uh, we love the title sequence, although it is not featured in the first episode. Or the short last. Skirt, long jacket by cake. Hmm? Or the last, but yes. And it is oh, an yes. Emmy-nominated sequence for like most outstanding title sequence. Well-deservedly. It's great. Yeah. Everyone wanted it to be their own theme song once that was going around. <laughs> and I love cake i think i liked that album when i was in it's called like fashion nugget mm -hmm. when i was in middle school and i remember having to get the like clean album because i was young but it was oh, that's funny. great that's right i know that's a whew, back there be like no explicit content it's like 
yeah now children could just go on the internet and find it not have to like get edited at the record store but yeah and we have some emmys that have been awarded to Merit Yonka, Outstanding Stunt Coordination. But yeah, the plot of the show is very much that Chuck is an ordinary guy working at a buy more, which is similar to like a Best Buy. And then he all of a sudden, you know, gets a email from a classmate slash roommate slash friend from his days at Stanford, though it's the same guy who gets him kicked out of Stanford. And he opens it and, you know, is flooded with all these images, which you learn later are government secrets that were coded. And he could eternalize all of them and become this like human computer database for like classified information. <laughs> and it's kind of how he starts to get in with the CIA. So they all start coming in undercover, but then soon enough, very soon enough, he finds out that they are there to be his handler and his bodyguard, and he's to help, you know, solve different cases that are happening around since he will see something and it will automatically trigger a flash where he sees you know, either like a bomb or a threat or, you know, so a bunch of different files within a matter of seconds. So, yeah, that's that's like the nutshell intro to what is Chuck. But Daniel, what is your history with this series? OK, we're finally talking about a show on air this time that I watched from the beginning when it aired. And I don't know why. Uh, but or or what drew me to it initially? Uh, I I do think that it was like I got into like a, consciously into like primetime television watching probably in like the 2006 season. So being this was probably like the first year that I was like just like okay it's September like let's sit down and watch all these new shows. Uh, Big Brother is over, but so. <laughs> And so I definitely, like, I, I distinctly remember watching the first few seasons, and I distinctly remember never finishing the series, and I don't know why. I, I, I remember that the last scene that I watched, uh, like, while I was watching, was something that I've now discovered as late season four with uh, Timothy Dalton as a guest star, um, which is weird that I would have... I, I just really can't figure out where I went with it, because at the time, I was watching the James Bond movies, uh, marathoning, ah. and so I was super stoked on him showing up. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, basically just watched it from the top, um, and kind of fell off somewhere near the end, and have no idea why. Absolutely no idea why. Uh, what about you? I watched it from start to finish on the air. I was a longtime fan. I remember the one year I have attended Comic Con, like Chuck was very big. Oh, nice. There, there was. Yeah, like That's I know I got like a, a free Bones t-shirt, but I definitely got some like Chuck swag as well. Some but more swag? Yeah. Carmichael Industry yes. swag? Who knows? <laughs> some sort of like, you know, slap wristband <laughs> yeah, or whatever was, was the choice of that year. But yeah, I also love James Bond and all things kind of in the spy world and I'll kind of go in and out of watching a lot of these but I do like 
that this show and I think we've discussed it before off the air is like a get smart meets like more serious spy stuff and then also all of these like modern jokes since it does take place in a big box store and there's all these other offshoot chain stores like Wienerlicious that's supposed to be like Wiener Schnitzel and Orange Orange that's supposed to be like Orange Julius and a lot of like kind of endearing nerd humor <laughs> I for different yeah give me give me like fictional retail any day uh, I really <laughs> I enjoy it. seeing that uh, and I really love kind of what they do with like fake companies and and fake stores and, and, and stuff like that um, and yeah 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 um, yeah you cannot convince me and you just said this that the pitch in the room for this show was not <laughs> Like, all right, you guys know 40-year-old virgin just came out, get smart, but instead of Steve Carell, let's make the hopeless romantic in his 20s. Um, You know, just old (laughs) enough that he should be doing something else, which is interesting with Chuck. He is 27, 28 when the show starts. Yeah. Um, So it's definitely like he's living with his sister and her husband who are accomplished doctors. And there's a lot of like, all right, you you, you didn't finish Stanford. You're a supervisor of the Geek Squad nerd herd. Um, and you know, like where, where is your life going? Where's your love life going? He's stuck. Basically his only romantic story is like his college girlfriend, um, who in, in a fun spy show kind of way is, is a spy much like his college roommate was. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of fun in that way. Uh, but yeah, so, so we started here. I guess when we when we watched this series, when we rewatched this series for this episode, uh, we decided to do the f- very first episode. Uh, we decided to do the very last episode, and then we decided to do a couple in the middle. Uh, so, Tracy, was the very first episode what you remembered it being? You know what? I didn't realize how much they make him out to be this stunted character as yeah. much as I did watching it now because like everything you just said they really go into him being like this not quite dropout but basically from stanford he gets kicked out for reasons that are you know later revealed to him but he also is yeah like kind of the captain of the nerd herd and he hasn't had a girlfriend since college and when he talks to girls all he does is talk about his ex-girlfriend and you just like (laughs) see him and you as a like a real real schmuck and you're kind of like where is this going like how does he fit into the intro where you're seeing this guy who is the Bryce Larkin character that's showing up looking very suave and you know his one person he picks to send this intersect to happens to be Chuck so it does set up that premise of you know, person who's kind of down on their luck, being very almost mundanely ordinary, and then all of a sudden, you know, very much the email to Chuck is like the radioactive spider bite that he gets. And I think what's very interesting is looking at where this series started in like 2007, and it's this like hybrid of like technology and human and you're like, this is where, you know, social media and technology is really on the rise in our lives. So you are seeing someone pitch a show where it's like, 
this human becomes a computer. <laughs> yes, but the audience, and, yeah, and, yeah. And he can spy. Yes. So like that's like what's because as you watch later, you know, he learns and it's almost like when he learns more spy stuff, it's like him getting software updates of like that's you're true. gonna do this and you're gonna be able to do all of the like fighting moves. So it's it's yeah, it's funny to look back on it that way. But yeah, I feel like this pilot is good about setting the tone. And yeah, it does have a very quintessential song <laughs> for oh, the time period. In place of the 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 lack of short skirt long jacket in the pilot episode, yeah, we they definitely uh, they throw us 2007's Cobra style, which I knew <laughs> yeah. famously from, uh, what was that movie, uh, Employee of the Month? You remember that one? Yes. <laughs> which is kind of funny since this show is also like nerdy guy yeah, in the store. <laughs> it's true. They do share a setting. Huh. So it's a, it's a little bit of like, are you winking at that movie right. there? But it also works. Like yep. when you're looking at the different sequences and the way that song is doing the beats like i'm like i get why they picked it but i also get why short skirt long jacket slid in there and was like no this is a this is exactly what this show needs so yeah and i yeah i do love the soundtrack of the show episode by episode i'm like ugh, i love it it's good sound you know something else that's like super 2007 about this show yes uh, is so I don't really know how to explain this, and I don't really know how to explain the actual the the, the object. But Morgan, the char- the character of Chuck's best friend in the pilot up yes. uh, on the entire series, we'll talk about him. Uh, his character's wardrobe in the pilot episode. <laughs> it, this is interesting. He has this belt, and it's it's like uh it's like a couple metal rings, and then like oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about? What what, what is yeah? Could you, could you help me out with that? So it's the one where it's like kind of fabric. Yes. And then there's like the metal, the metal rings, rings and like the grommets. Yeah. So I used of. to get clothes that had that belt all the time as a teenager. And I'm like, what, the, what do I do with this? What do I wear this with? I've never seen it in practice minus this pilot episode. I'm like, yep, 2007. I remember these. Like these were, this is how I was supposed to wear this. Yeah. I did not. That's not the, the takeaway from the pilot. The takeaway is, is where is Chuck and Sarah going to go? Uh, yes. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's that was my takeaway for sure. I know we should we should note that that the pilot, as much as it sets up the scene of Chuck being now part of this mission, it's also him meeting Sarah and being immediately infatuated, and not knowing at first that she is undercover specifically to become his handler, and that becomes the thing throughout the show too, where it's like, what part is real? what part is on the job and eventually blossoms into something more, but they kind of do do the, you know, traditional TV show back and forth. Will they, won't they throughout the series? They started really early. So they have to go on a, basically a a date because she's wondering why he's connected to Bryce Larkin. Yeah. And so there's, there's this whole kind of like, is he actually charming? Is she actually into him or is she just really, really good at her job? Interestingly enough, this question, which does get answered throughout the series, as far as I can tell, um, interestingly enough, out of all the episodes we watched, I didn't actually watch one where they were together, but as these episodes have spoilers, uh, they do get together for what seems like a large portion of the series. Um, 
And then yeah, I think in the off. later, like season three and four, because we watched a lot of season two. And I yeah. think on our own, we watched a bit more of season one and bits of season three. But we know when we get to the finale, when they do the flashbacks, you're like, oh, you guys were together <laughs> for a good chunk of this show. Yeah. But it's weirdly enough, not super consistent. And it's not, it's answered in an interesting, well, it's not answered in an interesting way by the series finale, which we also watched. So what's like, let's, we'll tackle the middle portion of this later, but the series finale very much mirrors the series premiere, but like, what's different? Yeah. So what's different is that the roles are swapped. Sarah has lost her memories. So she knows she's a spy, but she has no recollection of her mission with the intersect, her relationship with Chuck. So it's it's interesting to watch right after seeing the pilot because she's almost now the fish out of water character and he's filling her in on different things. So it is very much like this is the end, but this is also the new beginning for them. But it also sucks because as we've said, they went back and forth throughout the series romantically and they were married. And then now they're kind of going back and she's like, I've never met you before. So it's kind of the will they continue things or will it will they go in separate directions? Mm -hmm. But I have to say, because I was so invested to in the relationship the first time I watched the show, I hated this finale really when it was, I was really ups- yeah i was really upset i remember thinking like this is the worst finale of all time <laughs> like i'm so mad like oh, i was okay, so dramatic okay. about it because i i was really attached yeah to their relationship but watching it now and having like time go on rewatch it my opinion completely changed which goes to show like my opinion on a lot of series finales is you will hate it the first time a lot of times because you hate that the show is ending. Mm -hmm. And that is the main thing that kind of sours your perspective on it. But watching it this time, I thought it was a really smart way to end the show and still leave it open. Because in a way, you watch it and they do have a kiss. And you you think like, okay, so it's almost like they're starting over again and now she's the one that has to learn from him. And it's this nice switcheroo. And at the same time, yes, they're not a solidified couple anymore. All of that stuff has gone, you know, to the wayside. And you can definitely see, like, when you've been watching it for a long time, like, that's a lot to let go of and sacrifice and be like, so basically all these moments that have been building up are for it to start all over again. But in a way, that's like a really nice way to end it because it's, like, hey, they're probably going to go on, have new adventures where they re-get to know each other again and do more of this. And that gives, you know, the creators the flexibility of if they want to do more, they have a lot to play with. And and if they don't, the viewers have seen so much of the show that they can kind of make their own realities. But I think there is, yeah. you know, the viewer that likes to create their own in their head and the ones that are like want to see everything in front of them so i can definitely see how there could be different tastes to this series finale how did you feel about it 
so it is okay, 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 okay. How do I feel about the series finale? Uh, <laughs> well, this is tough, right? Because I haven't seen the show in I know. ten years, a while. Uh, so, so the show as a whole. Uh, the series premiere and the series finale are really interesting because they're very plot heavy in a way where they're like telling story at a pace that the rest of the show isn't telling a story. And they're also yes. like the status quo is changed or, or being created or dismantled in a way that the rest of the procedural episodes don't really work. So, or don't work the same way, right? So uh, yeah. it, it, it works in a way where it's a, it's a good bookend to the series premiere and the questions that the opening of the series asks, right? And it does show that like every single character has grown up in the five years. Um, so you know his sister and and her husband have a child, and they've reconnected with uh, their mother. You know, and they all everybody knows everybody's a spy. And um, and could you speak to actually how uh, Morgan Morgan his best friend actually kind of goes through some stuff too? Yeah, because. You know, you watch Morgan in the beginning and he's kind of this jittery, you know, nerdy character who's almost doesn't have the courage to really like speak up for himself. And then when you watch the finale, he like completely confronts Casey, who is the really like machismo and also kind of cold blooded spy who becomes more warm hearted as the series goes on. But he's definitely the one that they're like they assigned in the past to be the, you know, take people out, don't Which, get attached. Another thing that the finale does well is it separates Casey. Though Casey does spend the entire yes. series working with Chuck and Sarah, it separates him once again like he was separated and adversarially to Chuck and Sarah in the premiere. And they actually meet up halfway through. And he, where he was very much kind of vouching for Chuck's death in the premiere, he was very much like an antagonistic yeah. figure. He is... Uh, he's singing a different song. He's very much like, all right, well, this guy's honorable. He's a spy. Uh, these two people, they're both great. Like, we are keeping them alive. Um, so that's that's really fun to see. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting because other than that, I'm happy I watched the premiere and the finale like, yes. together. But I definitely needed to go backwards and kind of like, pick up some pieces in the middle to kind of like see the show. Right. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So, so the, so like, yeah, it, it, it but it, but it really did work as a series finale um, from, from what I could tell. It's just the show that I remembered was a very different show. The other thing that the series finale does is uh, it basically like, also gives a lot to a lot of other supporting characters. There are a lot of supporting characters in the buy more, um, there's like the, the kind of like old weird with a dark past alcoholic Jeff, um, who, <laughs> yes. the next episode we're actually talking about, he kind of gets his own little side episode here. Season two, episode five, Chuck versus Tom Sawyer. What'd you think about this one? This show or this episode is very interesting in the sense that it's another way that they do. So Chuck throughout the show even though he has the intersect, which gives him all of this, you know, government secret spy knowledge. He also, there are different times where they're about to take truth serum. He's like, and they have an antidote. And he says, wait a minute, make the guy test it. I've seen too many comic book movies to, you know, that's what you have to do. And they're like, ah, 
yes, I was going to just give you another poison. And then, you know, he also has ones where he's like, oh, I've seen these weapons before. And they're like, did you flash? And he's like, no, this is in the spy section of buy more. <laughs> so there's all of these like ways that they kind of show like being a, you know, nerd or geeky person like has these like really redeeming knowledge and ways that these people kind of save the day by having these traits that are usually kind of made fun of or bullied. So I think they also kind of lended that to Jeff because he has this record for being the best at this video game. And it ends up being that the person has to beat this game in order to stop another national threat. And Jeff is always like kind of the, yeah, as you've said, like in the Christmas party episodes, he's the one where they're like, no more spiking the eggnog. (laughs) And then, you know, creeping everyone out, Jeff. And he's kind of like, okay. (laughs) So it's also taking him and making him more of a character and less of just kind of a punching bag throughout the ensemble. And as the series goes on, Jeff becomes more and more likable. And I think this is kind of the start of that. But okay. yeah, how did you feel about this episode? Um I feel like I feel like it was I feel like I needed to see more ahead of it. You know, that's Definitely. something that you kind of build up to. It's obviously something you build up to. It's it's taking a tertiary character and, and, and kind of fleshing them out in a fun way. Uh, yes. yeah, yeah. I mean, other than that, it, it was fun because the show is so like 2000s network, you know, uh, which is great. It's great, but it's, it is really kind of fun in that way. Um, but yeah, other, I mean, other than that, that, that was kind of where I was at. Uh, I agree. Jeff, uh, Jeff has a moment in an episode that we'll talk about in a bit, uh, that I thought was really rewarding after seeing this episode, but I do feel like I could have done with some more buildup to this episode. This isn't the, when I when I watched the, the series premiere and the series finale, it's like, okay, I really need an episode here that both encompasses what the show is and is the middle that's missing of the plot here between these two episodes. Yes. Chuck versus Tom Sawyer is a fun, fun episode. It wasn't that middle. No. We were searching for that middle and it wasn't middle. quite there. It's really enjoyable, but I did have to go back to a lot of season one episodes to get to season to get two. To season two. And it's a, a good point to make about the show. It's a really great show, but it is not one where you can just pop into an episode and understand what's going on. We're getting more into these series long arc shows. Mm-hmm. So this one is as much as there are the individual cases throughout this show there are a lot of building blocks throughout each to where if you miss one you are missing something in the next episode so i feel like that was something by watching these two season two episodes that i figured out where i was like oh i kind of remember this show being a bit more light and not as much of you know kind of like a show that i watched but i didn't feel like it was so much of it gotta pay attention okay. to every little thing okay. and i think this time around I, I was like no you really do have to see all these different subplots in order to get to the 
you know, end of season finale and really get what's going on hmm. because there are a lot of things in the background, you know, the calls that go directly to Casey uh-huh. and, you know, whatever, you know, awesome and Ellie are doing in the background. There's a lot happening and then they do all get tied together. But the other episode from season two that we watched is Chuck versus the third dimension. And I think the fun part of this episode is that it was back when 3D was really big. So you could have watched this episode with 3D glasses on and seen a few, you know, little like kabooms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's it's it's fun to go back and be like, oh yeah, that was that was a thing that we were trying to make happen and it didn't quite go too much further from there i think this is another one that shows the quirks and a lot of the making fun of corporate that we see throughout chuck because they do have like a subway campaign yeah (laughs) sprinkled throughout the subway comes in and i had kind of heard this happening i had forgotten that this had happened uh but subway comes in and like does a deal with the with chuck the series to kind of keep it on the air i guess save it like the fans had to go buy sandwiches and if chuck or if subway figured out that the partnership was, uh, you know, worthy that the, they could continue this marketing deal that continued to allow the, the show to be budgeted to be on air, which that's that's great. Those are some dedicated fans. I, you know, yes. I don't like to talk poorly about much, but Subway, Subway's tough for me. Subway's tough for me. So, you know, <laughs> great on the Chuck fans. I know. They just had an SNL skit this past week that was about oh, did the subway marketing boardroom so it's funny because oh, wow. i was watching that and this and being like this is hilarious yeah it's about them pitching like what was wrong with jared <laughs> and then the whole room <laughs> no. is like um many things yeah. so yeah and it also makes me think of 30 rock they have an episode that's about product placement and then they talk about how oh it's like so not organic and then they enter the elevator and there's someone in a Snapple costume. Oh. And they're like, oh, I love Snapple. It only diet Snapple has no sugar. Oh <laughs> and so, yeah, that that 30 Rock is very big on doing the kind of like sarcastic and play on words with different kind of business on whoever jokes. Whoever was that partnerships think, on NBC back then. I think, yeah. So Chuck kind of does that too with a lot of the different corporate you know, they have all of these mall businesses and kind of like strip, yeah, like mall and strip mall places that you're always kind of laughing at. Sarah's working at a different booth in a different <laughs> little kind of, outfit. I didn't see that. That's funny. <laughs> and, you know, like that's how all these like undercover and even like when Rachel Bilson is on, she's mm-hmm. the kind of like gourmet deli girl. <laughs> She's like the first recurring guest star, right? For importing cheese. Mm. Hmm? She's like the first recurring guest star, right? The series has a lot of recurring guest stars. So many. So many. And so many, like, really great actors as these recurring guest stars. Mm -hmm. It's, like, if I was going to kind of repeat something I said from the Veronica Mars episode, is this is another show that I think has a lot of great picks for guest stars that reoccur and then be go even more beyond after this show is finished. So yeah, that's the third dimension is definitely just like you get that quirk and giddy humor yeah. that you see throughout Chuck that balances out 
the fact that this is very much an action drama with a bit of comedy in it. Yeah. Like, also, fun thing about Chuck versus the Third Dimension is the episode is about him having to protect a rock star. Speaking of guest stars, this one just happens to be played by yes. Dominic Monaghan, who is basically playing Charlie from Lost, and like the only thing missing <laughs> is you all, everybody. But yeah, it's, it's so so it is fun, <laughs> um, and it's it's if if you've seen any of like the Charlie band Lost flashbacks or flash sideways. Uh, this is very much like a full episode of that taking place in the Chuck world and combining those worlds, uh, you know, unofficially. It's a great crossover mm-hmm. of shows mm-hmm. that we love. Yeah. So then. And then. Uh, do you watch get... anything else or do we just skip over to season three? You know, I watched a lot of season one. You watched a lot of season and... one. Which is how yeah, the roommate stuff plays one, out, right? It kind of goes back about yeah. who Bryce Larkin was and, and his roommate in Stanford at history and whatnot, who Sarah is, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Okay. I think it sets up a lot for the rest of the show and uh-huh. in a way that is very slow and steady. But yeah, you do find out that Bryce Larkin, you know, said that he cheated on the test in order to save him from being someone who would not have had a choice of if he joined the government uh-huh. or not because they were very much like the way his scores was, this guy's going to be able to internalize so much information. There's no way we can't use him. And then, you know, it's funny because later on it's like, well, he ended up having that fame (laughs) anyway. But it's like, he could have had his degree. (laughs) But, you know, it all kind of worked out for him anyway. And then you do see that Bryce Larkin is very much alive and that he did not Not get killed off as he once thought Mm -hmm. and you also see sarah choose to stay with chuck instead of going off the deep end and off the radar with bryce so i think that's a lot of what you get out of season one you're starting to get you know hints that sarah has some feelings for chuck but you can tell that she's very cautious because she's already gotten in a little bit of hot water and also just emotional turmoil for having a relationship with a colleague. So you can see that she's taking baby steps, but you you get the idea that they will end up together after mm-hmm. you watch season one. And then you also are getting to know the rest of the ensemble a lot more, like Morgan being very present throughout and narrowly missing the fact that Chuck is a spy just by a hair in many of the episodes. And he's always kind of having to think of creative excuses to, you know, start hiding. I think Ellie thinks he's on drugs for a while. And then yeah, later it's just up. like, oh, you're just like infatuated with your girlfriend. But that gets into the episode that we both watched and we thought was a really good representation of the middle, which is season three, episode nine, Chuck versus the beard where Morgan does find out after three seasons that Chuck is in fact a spy. So this one's great. Why did we pick this episode? This, okay. So I, the, the, this episode we did discuss before, you know, while we were figuring out this episode, but the one that really like put it over is that this episode was actually chosen last year uh, by fans to be the, the episode that the cast and creators did a table read of. Um, for for a charity through Entertainment Weekly, and we can we can post the we can post the link to that in in the show notes. 
Uh, yeah. But it was really cool in 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 the way where it was. It is a big episode. It's Zachary Levi's directorial debut, which is really cool. Um, and it is just sort of like it's it's a perfect middle in, in the way where Morgan does find out that Chuck is a spy. Uh, spies actually infiltrate the buy more. They find the base. Uh, Morgan finds out they find the base. Um, Bymore thinks that corporate's basically buying them out and firing everybody but Chuck and Morgan because these bad guys are looking for Chuck and Morgan. Um, by the way, the villain is played by Diederik Bader, uh, also known for his that. role as Tank Evans in the greatest movie of all time, Surf's Up. Um, but <laughs> yes. the, uh, so, uh, yeah, so, so basically, and in this episode, I mean, Casey's coming around, right? Sarah's off with uh, who I remember being a rather large uh, character. Charles guest star. Shaw? Daniel Shaw, I think. Or um, Daniel Shaw. Brandon Routh plays him. Uh, yes. And you see Chuck's jealousy in, in full force. He can't use the intercept uh, at this point. I'm not sure why. He just, I think it's like right after he downloads number 2.0. Uh, he just like mm. can't get it to work. Sarah's not really there for him because she's off with, with Shaw. Um, yes. Awesome at this point does know that Chuck's a spy. And it's interesting because now he is in his most vulnerable having to hide this from Chuck's sister and his wife. And it's just, it, it, it it's a really fun episode. It does. Uh, it was my favorite of the buy more subplots. It was kind of great having them rally around each other to keep the store. Uh, you can definitely like, we, we, we talked about how Jeff and Lester kind of pay off in the finale and this yes. is the beginning of, or I don't know if this is the beginning of that, but this definitely is a representation of that, uh, where Lester gets up and, and sings fortunate son to all the, the budding buy more employees. Um, also I Jeff, love the, it's like, is it called Jester or Jeffster where it's like <sighs> Lester and Jeff's band yeah, and they do performances throughout and to be honest, they're pretty good. They're like pretty in good. the finale, they do take on me, and you're like, you can get that note. Like, <laughs> hats off. Yeah. And they like get the orchestra to back them up. And it's it's great. It's one of those just like you can tell, like different shows will take people who have musical talent and be like, How do we write this in? Because this is great. Yeah. And they do a really good job with Jeff and Lester throughout with also, that. Yeah. And this to your yeah. point earlier, Jeff actually helps out Casey in an altercation with spies um, in yes. this episode. So that was that was kind of a fun, weird Jeff moment that that pays off after watching that season two episode. And then Morgan um, takes Chuck being a spy really well. Yeah, <laughs> really, really. He well. doesn't seem like totally shocked. I feel like because Chuck had so much promise, everyone is kind of like, "You're really just staying at the buy more." And so it is kind of easy for them to go, oh, you're a spy? Well, well, that makes sense. We were all kind of wondering, like, why you're still hanging out here yeah. with all of us. So I feel like there's something to that where they're like, oh, yeah, they're quick to get on board because they're like, so that's what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. It's a cover. Great. And he's kind of like, I mean, it wasn't the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but it is now um but i do love the uprising the uprising is great oh, it's great that. like that good all fun. the different 
subplots of like I want to be assistant manager and the different you know when Morgan does the interview for Chuck because he's on a mission I thought that was like a really sweet moment in the first season and then you're seeing him now as the assistant manager where he has to fire (laughs) Chuck Mm -hmm. at first and and it's really funny to watch because he just does with it really straight face like you know this is a tough thing every manager has to do at some point in their life and and then later Chuck is immediately back on board but I do love that also they have the whole uprising and Casey's coming in and they're like are you sure you want to join us and he gives this whole spiel on like I hate you know it's it's kind of like Chuck Casey's like an interesting character because you get the idea that he's a very like conservative minded person but then he also is like I don't like, you know, when people get all up in arms, but I also hate when they grow up to be these fat cats. That's even worse. So then, and then he joins all of them. And I just thought it was really funny. Like they just poke so much fun at these big corporations. So I, I get a real kick out of that watching it, especially like seeing these shows now, like Superstore, where like that is the whole show. Right the store and corporate and all the drama and you're almost watching this show going like they had a little bit of that and now that got gets played up so much more in different sitcoms so it's it's the start of that i feel yeah yeah it's a, it's a great middle episode between between chuck and morgan's friendship and then morgan also like the the reason he's not pissed off about the lie of Chuck being a spy is because Chuck wasn't able to keep the real lie from him, which is that he's not over Sarah who's on the mission with Shaw and he's very, you know, jealous. And, and so Morgan has a heart to heart about just knowing that and knowing Chuck fully and knowing that when something's wrong, something's wrong, fine, you know, something's confusing, but at the core, he does know Chuck. He knows when Chuck's lying and, and that's the big tell. Also, it's a great episode for a, uh, we haven't even talked about Big Mike, the store manager yet, but Mark Christopher Lawrence is like <laughs> love fantastic. He's such a believable fun yes. store manager. Uh, yes. And he gets so much to do in this episode. And honestly, the only thing that this episode doesn't touch on that, you know, when, when you're looking at three episodes of the show, you know, the beginning, the last one, we were finding the middle. Uh, like, this is obviously, like, this is my nomination if you watch any episode of the show, really, personally. Uh, but I agree. it doesn't answer like what Sarah feels about Chuck. So it's cool to know that like in your rewatch of the season one episodes, you were able to kind of find that. Yeah, it's it's easier to see it in hindsight. And I think, though, I agree with you that this episode is a good representation because most of the show you are questioning where are Sarah's feelings. She yeah. is very like, you know, emotionally internal and it's very reflective of her being a spy and being told, you know, got to turn off your feelings and stick to the job at hand, but you can see it. You can see, and she mentions it, I think early in season one or maybe towards the beginning of season two where she talks with Casey and is like, don't you ever just wish you could have a family or children or a normal life someday. And then Casey kind of goes to her and is like, we chose this life you know, to serve people. And this is, you know, the ultimate job in our industry. And, you know, that comes with sacrifices. And you see that she's torn. And I think that's the thing you're looking throughout is she's always torn between like, Chuck is definitely her person for wanting 
that life. Yeah. And you see her bouncing around and kind of going back and forth because she has that internal struggle of like, do I do the spy life or do I do this kind of hybrid life where I still spy, but I'm also having this real emotional connected relationship. So I think it's a good one because you seeing her with Shaw, who you're always kind of suspicious of from the start. I think though that's mostly because you watch it most of the show you're experiencing it through Chuck's perspective and he is very much like you know both enviously suspicious of Shaw but he also does these little things and like you see him at the end of this episode call into the buy more and kind of puts a and I'm like oh corporate decided to keep everyone it's all we were like impressed by your demonstration and you look back and go like there's more to this and like haven't seen the show in such a long time I'm already hooked back in to be like I need to rewatch and see this subplot like how Shaw plays into everything and how that goes on later so there's a lot to this show yeah there is there is so (laughs) there really is we can we can nutshell it but I do think it still goes in so many different directions as well yeah you know aside from the spy stuff aside from the being 27 stuff aside from the romance stuff we we got a we got a question in the chat, and I do have I to talk about that. this. We do have to talk about this. Uh, I I did allude to it earlier that I, I love me some fictional retail. And uh, yes. BMac asks, how does buy more compare to working at Target? Which I did I did I did do a couple retail stunts, uh, you know, in my late teens and like probably when yes. I was twenty. Uh, and and I will say one of the fun parts about like Superstore is definitely like the Target show, um, yes. being a big box store. Though I will say there, there, there's a lot to like really appreciate watching this show just about like friends working together and stuff like that and hanging out in certain departments and like especially when they kind of like override the entertainment room and stuff like that. Like, yes, that's the stuff we did in the entertainment section at Target as teens. Yeah. Um, but I will say like my stint at like I did six months at Office Depot as an 18 year old. And that's the one that this show really reminded me of. That like assistant manager closet that they give Morgan as an office is like, oh, I can't. Yeah, I've I've had meetings in that closet. And Big Mike <laughs> reminds me of of that kind of store manager. And it's, yeah, it's it's very much like nostalgic in a way. I, I loved it. It was it was definitely something that I was hoping to relate to going into this episode. It's definitely something I did. It was fun. It was. Yeah, Target. Target's definitely the place that where you have the Jeff and Lester kind of vibes. Um, oh yeah, it's definitely the store. For I that. It's agree. A little bit bigger, you can get away with stuff. It gives you like it takes you back to that time where if you've either worked in, I did some retail at our local outlet mall, but I also did event services in college where you did a lot of AB tech, mm-hmm. which kind of brings you into these similar personalities. Yes, you know like very much like the nerd herd we were like the it tech support for all events and would come in and do stuff and it just does bring you back to having that camaraderie and also the silliness and goofing off and making these like kind of creative pursuits throughout your shifts to make them go better go faster and also you know you were always kind of having that double-edged relationship with the manager and assistant manager where they were like yeah get back to work but also like that was great yes (laughs) oh and i and i love seeing that with like big mike where he's like yeah uh how dare you do that 
but also I'm gonna I'm gonna promote you. <laughs> yeah. The store manager having sketchy stories that kind of check out and him being relatable weirdly at like a closing shift, like yes. And yes. then the like the winning over the assistant manager character. And a lot of the B plots in the show are about the assistant manager, right? Uh, whether it's um, whoever played Vince Masuka on uh, Dexter uh, or um, Emmett, you know, played by Tony Hale, uh, or eventually Morgan, who Tony does Hale. get promoted to assistant manager. Yeah, we do. Uh, that the the night that you win over the assistant manager in retail, you know, he's snooping around just like Emmett does. That is the perfect representation of an assistant manager. And the night you win that person over, you never forget. Never forget. Yes. Uh, I think also, since I worked a lot of night shifts and closing shifts in college, like this show is really big into that, like where they have the cage where if you lock it just so only one person has the key and you're really screwed. Like those are just things where you go back and you're like, oh, like as much as that was like such a difficult time, it also, you're like, I think going forward, you're like, I miss a little bit of this, like the scrappy, oh yeah, you know, team oriented, like what you're doing every day isn't super important. And yet at the same time, it's what everyone relies on. It's, it's really fun I to agree. look back on that. And the show also colors all of those roles in a really nice way like they're showing all of these people who are kind of like older than maybe what people would expect for working in these fields and showing them you know having like like with Lester and Jeff it's a good example of like yeah they work at the buy more but then they also have these pursuits of like we're gonna be this band <laughs> and do all this other stuff and they make a lot of these characters that are kind of side characters very dimensional I think that is a large strength of this show yes is they make everyone a big character even if their role in the plot isn't super crucial so yeah i also i like that yeah and it's fun seeing the side characters in the title sequence like the b-plot characters the buy more characters that they're in the title sequence from the beginning i love that you know i i don't know yeah. all shows I, I just don't notice it but I don't feel like many shows will put that entire breadth of the cast in the, like, obviously, you know, they're all, you know, recurring main cast contracted characters, but having them all in the title sequence is great. It's it's really wonderful. Um, yeah, everyone gets their time to shine. And a yes. lot of the episodes we picked are these spotlights on the B characters in the season two. And I like that. They And then even the episode we picked with Morgan, he's kind, even though he's the best friend and he kind of becomes a main character as the series goes on. I think they just do a really good job of flushing everyone out. So they have the option of kind of bumping a character up if they want to. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Like they gave a lot of flexibility in their writer's room to, okay, each one of these characters, we're going to make the most out of them and see what we can do with them as time goes on. And you do just see a lot of growth, even when it's just funny and kind of the yeah. comedic break. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else on Chuck? I think we're... I think you did you it. Know, we're pretty good. I, th yeah. I think that was perfect. <laughs> I think that was perfect. Uh, yeah. I think so. That was, that was this episode of Primetime Party Time. Ghosts of Primetime's pack, or past, this time featuring Chuck, the NBC series. Uh... 
this show could not have been made without the following amazing people. Uh, our artwork's by Fen. Catch her on Instagram.com slash Latte. Our theme music is by Jay Wright. Catch him at jwrightmusic.com. Our website's by Coco, or is it D1012 tonight? Who knows? Uh, we're your hosts. That's, that's you. <laughs> and me, Daniel. And uh, thank you, BMAC, for helping us put together this episode. Thank you, you, for being here, listening, wherever you're listening to your podcast, whether that's Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever else we are. We're on iHeartRadio now, so that's fun. Get that email this week. Yeah. I didn't know that we weren't before. but we spread are. of streaming apps, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, and catch, all that good stuff. Catch us next week at ptptshow.com, Mondays, 9 p.m. Good show. I mean, how can we not watching Chuck? It's such a good time. Going yeah, back to that place. You know, the creator said that they made that show with the intention to put a smile on the viewer's face. Ah, uh, so so true. Not to just be.